0: A lot of loved ones that are there, I couldn't help but uh, but think about uh, Brother Wolf, who's gone on to be with the Lord. And uh, you know, I, I had special feelings for him because he thought I was a good preacher.
1: <laughs>
0: and so, you know, he gets special marks in my in my book. But I was just thinking down there. You know, we don't we know so little about heaven. You know, I think a lot about it. I was asking preachers some questions about it this morning. I think sometimes we, because we're afraid of like uh false doctrine that we want to be real careful, you know. And I, and I know that nobody can pray us out of hell or anything like that. But, you know, I know that God loves me and God knows who I love. I honestly believe, I every once in a while I'll just say, Lord, you know, I'm missing my dad and mom real bad. Would you just tell them I love them? Amen.
1: Yeah.
0: You say, could God do that? God can do anything He wants to do. I'm, and then I was sitting out here thinking, by the way, He all sounded like angels. That was, Wasn't that good? That was I know they're not angels, amen.
1: <laughs> amen.
0: No. <laughs> that was so good. But I was sitting down there thinking, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know, Brother Wolf might have been just leaning over and just kind of looking down and saying, wow, I can tell you that for a fact, heaven's not a dream, amen, isn't that good, Uh, heaven's a wonderful place filled with glory and grace, oh, I'm telling you, what a a great thing. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter number 2, and then I'm going to ask you if you are physically able, if you'd stand with me just as we uh, read our text this morning. Acts chapter number 2, and I want to begin reading in verse number 38, a very familiar uh, passage of Scripture this morning. And then I want to preach to you half of the sermon this morning. And half of the sermon tonight, you say, why half this morning and why half tonight? Because if I preached it all this morning, some of you would leave because I would still be going. But it's important that I preach this message that God has put on my heart. And the title of my message today is Seven Ways to Bless Your Church. Seven Ways to Bless Your Church. And I hope that this will be a blessing to you, and I hope that you won't... Just say, well, I got most of it this morning and and not come back tonight. But you'll come back to get the rest of the story. Because I tell you, when you hear all seven of the thoughts together, I think it will help you to get the heart, vision, and burden that I have for our churches today. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for or because of the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy ghost for the promise that is the promise of the holy ghost is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off even as many as the lord our god shall call and with many other words did he testify notice that word testify and exhort saying save yourselves from this untoward generation Then they, that gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and in fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear come upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common." Uh, to ask for what we cannot do. I have studied, I have prayed, I have uh, given much thought to this passage of Scripture. I can preach it today, but I cannot bring conviction. I cannot change lives. And so I come asking for your anointing and your strength to deliver the Word of God and for thy spirit to be active in our midst today. And for each and every one of these dear people to have an open heart uh, to receive the Word of God. And I pray today that we might be moved, but not just emotionally. We might be moved to change and, and to repent and, and to be what you would have us to be today. So have your way in this service. And Lord, when everything is said and done today, we want to be able to give you all the honor and all the glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. On January the 20th, uh, 1961, I was but uh, an 11-year-old boy, but I do remember the speech uh, that President John F. Kennedy gave in his inaugural address. And he stated, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And uh, as a pastor, I uh, would regularly have people call me over the years. I I was a senior pastor for 38 years, and they had some years as an associate pastor, and, and I got used to phone calls that would go something like this. People would call and say, uh, would you tell me what your church has to offer us? And I knew what they uh, were looking for, and I was glad that I pastored a a wonderful church in Florida, and we had uh, just beautiful buildings and great, just great facilities. We had a, uh, a, a nice uh, gymnasium, and and we had soccer fields and football fields and nice uh, uh, daycare facilities, and uh, and lots and lots of uh, just things to offer. But but I knew that they, they were thinking about those things. But I would always say to them, "Well, I'll tell you what we have to offer." I promise you that if you come to Westgate Baptist Church, I'm going to do my best to be faithful to preach to you the pure Word of God. I want you to know if you come to Westgate that if you're sick or in need that uh, I'm going to try my best to be your pastor and to love you and be there for you. I was one of the things that when I retired, uh, people would hug my neck and say, thank you for always being there. That's the kind of pastorate I had and I believe in that and I try to help young men as I traveled to learn to love their people and give the best of their life to their people. I knew that uh, they weren't interested in that and pretty quick they would uh, kind of interrupt me and say, you know, that's not really what I meant. Let me let me, uh, let me tell you what I meant. Uh, I meant, do you have a gym or do you have a children's program or uh, can you get the kids out of the auditorium? They're driving me crazy and I don't want to have them in my lap at church time. And, and they were looking for things that uh, we could do that would uh, uh, meet their need, and uh, and so I, I would tell them what I could do from the Bible, but I would never tell them so much about those things that uh, that we have that they were interested in. So I want to borrow from the thought of President Kennedy today, and I want to ask you this question: or state this, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. Amen. I'm asking us to think about this morning. Are we here uh, to simply be blessed? Or are we here to bless Almighty God? Are we here to give our best to Almighty God? After all, Ephesians 3.21 says, Unto Him be glory in the church. Amen. Uh, Throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I'm saying to you this morning uh, that if we're here for the right reason, it isn't about us today. It is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is about worshiping Him. In spirit and uh, uh, in truth, uh, the truth is that this generation of church members have become self-indulgent and and seeker-sensitive and self-satisfying and looking for short sermons and fleshly music and soft sermons that don't ever offend or cause us to feel guilty and uh, very little commitment and very little. Uh, responsibility. But I want to tell you that church should not today today, uh, be designed for comfort, but for conformity to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It ought to drive us to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to bring a message, uh, all of which will be found right here in our text. Seven ways to become a blessing to our church. Number one, I want to say to you this morning that praying fervently will bless your church. Amen? Amen. I want you to notice right here in our text, the Bible says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. and Now read this out loud with me, this last phrase, and in prayers. Let's do it together, everybody. And in prayers. I want to say to you that the model... We find here in this Acts church is that all that they did was built upon that, that it came from the basis of having prayer time with God. Now, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I will tell you this, uh, that I have traveled this country from one end to the other over the last seven years, and I will say to you that prayer is not made too much in our churches. I can tell you that not even many pastors want to have Prayer time. I mentioned that recently in a church and the next night the preacher said to me, uh, brother Turner over here, we're going to pray because you're not going to use my name around the country. And I promised that I was going to say what I'm saying today so I can send him a copy of it. Amen. And say, I, I just reminded everybody that we need to have prayer time with God. It is an acknowledgement that we are incapable of doing what needs to be done in our place and of ourselves, it is an acknowledgement that we need the power of Almighty God. Amen? And so we find right here uh, in Acts chapter 1, if you want to go back to verse 14, the Bible says that uh, they were in prayer. Now before I read this verse, I want to just give you a little bit of a background. So look up here just a moment. Here we have 120 in the upper room. These weren't just anybody's. These were the first church here. This was the church awaiting the day of Pentecost. And uh, uh, there are some that try to pin the starting of the church on Pentecost, but clearly there are too many things that uh, that the Bible declared that the church was already doing prior to Pentecost. This was the church, amen? And they realized God was about to do something great. And the Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 14, that these all continued with one accord in prayer. They were waiting on Pentecost, but what they were doing was not sitting around having a planning session on how they were going to make Pentecost operate, but they were praying for the power of God to come down on them and the power of God to be uh, prominent in what happened. Now, I want to tell you, when we come to the day of Pentecost, And Peter gets up to preach and 3,000 souls get saved and then they're baptized and they're added to the church. It seems to me we can say prayer produced something in Acts chapter 1 and 2. Amen? That God used prayer to bring about the power of God that came in Acts chapter uh, number 2. And they continued. They continued in that prayer. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, it says we will give ourselves continually to prayer. In Acts chapter 16 and verse 13, it says prayer was wont to be made. In Romans 12, 12, it says uh, that we are to be instant in prayer. In James 5, 16, it says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Much is accomplished by those who go to God uh, in prayer. My favorite passage on prayer. And I'm still reading it and basking in it and studying it. And by the way, can I stop right there and say, I'm still a work in progress in prayer. I still want to do better. Anybody here think you got it down this morning? Well... You probably don't. And the truth is, we could all do better, and I can take an amen right there. Yeah. We could all do better. Preacher could do better. I can do better this morning. But my favorite passage is Matthew chapter 6, where the Bible says this, And when thou prayest, you know what that says to me? It is an assumption that every believer ought to pray. He doesn't say, if you ever get around to it, pray. Pray. He said, and when thou prayest, it is assumed that God's people ought to pray. Amen. When thou prayest. And then he says to them, I want you to uh, come into that closet place of prayer, that private place of prayer. I believe that is the place where we purpose in our heart that we're going to talk to God. Amen. Now, I've got lots of grandkids. Uh, Well, I have eight grandkids, three greats. But we have four grandkids that live on property. I just went through this a couple of days ago before I left. The mosquitoes were bad and they were leaving the door open. And I, and I said to my grandsons, have you, were you boys born in a barn or what? Shut the door. If you're coming in, shut the door. And they'll come over all the time and I'll stand in the doorway, and I'll say, well, if you're coming in, come in. Shut the door. You know what that means? Come in and sit a spell. Amen. Come in and take some time. If you come to see grandpa, don't stand at the door and say a couple of words and leave and show me I'm unimportant. Come in and sit down a while. Amen. And spend some time with me. And the Bible says when you come into that closet place, shut the door. You know why you shut the door? Because when you shut the door it means you're going to stay a while. Amen? You're planning to have some quality time in the presence of Almighty God. I, I'm fearful that many of us, or for many of us, our prayer time is nothing more than a good morning prayer and a good night prayer and a and a, and, 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 and good eat prayer because we have something good in front of us to eat. And, and very few of us have developed a time where we Really take time to talk with God. Can I get an amen right there? I mean, we just need to develop that. Now, I, listen, I know, I, I think I'm pretty savvy for my age. You know, the, I'm around some of the millennials. and say, well, you do pretty good with that texting and all that stuff. Well, I've had to do that to stay out there where I'm at. Uh, and so I, I think I'm pretty good too. But I, but I want to tell you something. I hate it when my grandkids text me. Grandkids, are you listening? Don't text grandpa and grandpa. Amen. And my granddaughters, uh, sometimes they'll text me and say, Pop, just wanted to say I love you. And I'll text back, I don't hear a thing you're saying.
1: <laughs>
0: you know what I'm saying? Pick up the phone. because. Grandpa wants to hear them. They all call me Poppy. Uh, Poppy wants to hear them say, Poppy, I just want to call and tell you I love you. Amen. And I want to tell you in some of our prayer lives, I'm convinced God isn't hearing much. He wants us to call Him up, amen, and say, Father, I love you, and come into His presence, and bask in His presence. And by the way, God doesn't just want to hear us pray. He wants to talk back to us and answer our prayers, amen. And we need that in our churches. I'm I'm telling you, I'm pleading with you. A church just the other day said, this has revolutionized our thinking, and, and we're spending time perfecting our Wednesday night prayer meeting to be really prayer meeting and Bible study and they're looking for ways to do that but I'm begging you this morning take some time to get into a prayer closet set up a time in your life where you have a daily time of prayer with God and you're not hurried and and you're not going to hear the phone ring or you're not going to have someone come and bang at your door but you're in that private place just you and God and you get along and you pray pray fervently uh, that God God will use your church to be an example in this area and that God will anoint you and bless you. I'm telling you God wants to hear your prayer. Amen? So pray, praying will be a blessing. Uh, to your church because praying brings on the power of God. I don't have time this morning, but I could do this. I could take you through the rest of the book of Acts and show you how as they prayed, God brought power. As they prayed, God perfected what was being done in the lives of this church. Number two, I want to say to you this morning that attending faithfully will bless your church. Amen? You say, Preacher, now where in the world? Are you going to get that out of Acts chapter 2? Well, let's there. Look at verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they did what? They continued. They continued. It means that it wasn't a one-time thing for them. They stayed at this business of serving God and doing the things that I'm preaching about this morning. I mention it lightly in Sunday school, but I'm absolutely amazed at how our churches are going down on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I'm absolutely amazed at how few people are really, listen to me now totally surrendered and dedicated to the services of the church. Now, I know when I was a boy, I would have never asked my daddy, Daddy, are we going to church tonight? That would have got me an old-fashioned whooping. My dad didn't give whippings. He gave whoopings. Amen? And my my dad would have said to me, You know better than that, son. Uh, If the doors were open at the church, we were there. I was there when I was about five days old in a receiving blanket. I've been there ever since. Amen. I'm telling you, my dad and mom drove it into us. That the church of Jesus Christ was an important place, and as Christians, we uh, were to be there. Can I help us with something this morning? The church is not a social organization. It is a God-ordained organism that God Himself created. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the Bible says uh, in, in Ephesians 5 and verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church Amen. and gave himself for it. I've routinely said around this country, if God loved it enough to give his son for it, then I ought to love it enough to at least live for it with every fiber in my body. Amen? Amen. I've, I've had some preachers say, I'll Brother turner. You're just hyper church. I don't know how you can be hyper right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're either right or wrong. Amen.
0: And Jesus established the church. And he said that we need to come into the church. And he said not uh, forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I was in a church uh, maybe a year ago, about a year and a half ago maybe. And uh, I got into the middle of a debate some lady in the church had determined uh, and written an eight-page uh, uh, article on why not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together had nothing to do with being in church every sunday, and I read it, but it was stupid and and uh, <laughs> didn't make it just didn't make any sense. It was just a justification of missing church amen and her hypothesis was that not forsaking just meant not to totally forsake. All the way to where you never go back to church again. So you can go, you cannot go 99 and 9 tenths percent of the time I said to her. But as long as you go that one tenth of the time, you haven't forsaken yet. Now that, come on, that's just silly stuff. Yeah. You, you know, I got to reading about it and one commentary said that passage of scripture indicates the importance of coming and, and docking at the church and they use the illustration of a ship that is sailing by and, and then as they're sailing by them, they come to the port and they spot the port, they turn in so that they can dock that ship. At the port. And I want to tell you, when it comes Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and soul winning and, and mission conference and revival, we ought to turn the ship into the dock. Amen? And we tie it up and we come in and we worship the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might. I said something like that a few years ago and a man approached me and he got a little indignant. And he said, you know, Brother Turner, he started doing this at me. You know, you can't prove in any way, shape or form that there's to be a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service or you ought to have to be there for all the revival meetings. He was getting pretty agitated at me. He said, you just can't prove it. You know that, right? And I, I think I fooled him because I said, I absolutely agree. He said, you do. I said, in fact, I agree so much that I'd like to quote you a verse. Acts 5.42 says, daily in the temple and and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. So friend, if you're wanting to be a literalist, let's just have church every day. Amen? Because the truth of the matter is, that's about what the New Testament church did. And we've trimmed it down to make it convenient for all of us who want to have church every once in a while. But I want to tell you, that is no excuse for missing. And let me give you something else. Did you know that this church is likened in 1 Corinthians 12 to a body? Hello? Do you think that only parts of the body ought to show up on Sunday? Okay, now... Uh, this means I, I understand this. Okay, so I've had two major back surgeries. I've lost two feet of colon. I I I've got two stents in my heart. I'm 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 heavy on twos.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean my body is beaten up. I've artificial knee here. December 10th, I get an artificial hip here. I have a surgeon looking at my back right now. One says I'm inoperable because the screws came out of the, the plate in my back and one of them's in a nerve bundle. And the doc said that your screws are out and they're loose and they're out. My wife said, I could have told you his screws were <laughs> loose. You did. You, you could have just asked me and you didn't need to do an MRI. I could have told you that. I mean, my body is beaten up. When I sit down, my hip becomes so weak that it's hard for me to get up. I do better when I'm up. Anybody understand this? Well, if not, some of you old gray heads like me are going to understand it for you i to <laughs> tell you that right now. And so there are mornings that, well, yesterday was kind of one of those because I was fighting that time change, three-hour time change a little bit, and I've been on the go a lot. And boy, uh, you know, half of me was trying to get up and the other half was resisting I mean I'm trying to get out the other side say no stay in stay in stay in I mean I'm just just battling back and forth oh what do I do what do I do I got to get up it's the right thing to do I got to get up but you know what when I got up my whole body came out (laughs) hello I left no pieces now some of you (laughs) some of you bless God you know I baptized the lady when I first went to Boston, Massachusetts, and I heard a big roar in the crowd. And I thought, "What in the world?" And I turned back around. I didn't know, but she had an artificial leg, and she had it off, and she's dumping the water back into the baptistry.
1: <laughs> now I
0: can see when she gets up, she might have to leave some of it in the bed. Amen. But listen, listen, I'm telling you this morning that we shouldn't be leaving any of it at home. God has ordered us as God's people to come into the house of God. And he says, even more often or so much the more, as you see the day approaching when Christ is going to come, you don't have to even be a good Christian this morning to know this world is in a peck of trouble.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Am I right or wrong? Well, if I'm right, say amen because I'm beginning to think you don't like me. It's <laughs> been a peck of trouble. I meet unbelievers everywhere saying, "Boy, this world's in trouble, isn't it? Yeah, I hear scientists even say, "We can't keep going this way without hitting some wall somewhere." My friends Jesus is coming back, and we better be ready for him. And one thing we ought to be doing is we ought to be praying. Amen? And we ought to be assembling ourselves together in the house of God, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I want to say this, and I'm not mad at anybody. I just look mad. I told my wife the other day. I do. I have that. Don't I? Brother Folger introduced me in Cleveland, Ohio years ago. He said, and our, our preacher today, he said, he's just like a bulldog. I'm thinking, bulldog? Do I look like a bulldog? After church, this little bus kids walk up and said, you not only preach like a bulldog, you look like a bulldog. <laughs> so I told my wife the other day, I said, girl, listen, I've written out my funeral. Here's where it's at. So if I go before you, here's, I told what I want done. And I said, you have to promise me that you will tell the funeral director that be, he's to sew up my mouth just a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I want all these preachers that come to my funeral thing, oh, oh, grouchy Conner, he always looks so grouchy there. I'm gonna, that, He'll really look grouchy now. And they come up that casket. I'm just grinning at him Amen I'm just grinning at him Hey listen I may look like a bulldog I may look like I'm unhappy But I am very happy this morning Because I'm walking with God And I'm in prayer with my Lord. And I'm in fellowship in church every Sunday. And I'm telling you, if the church of God is going to have a revival, we've got to get on our knees and pray for it and open our hearts to the Word of God. And we need to be in the house of God every time the doors are open. Amen? Amen. Number three. And last for this morning. I'll hit you with the other four tonight. Number three. Believing correctly will bless your church. You say, okay, preacher, where's that? Well, it's right here. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You see, they got saved and they got baptized and they didn't get to choose what doctrine or what religion or what denomination they were going to be part of. They were to be faithful to what God had already given the apostles. Amen. To the truth. As God had given it. Let me tell you the problem today. Nobody knows what they believe. And they certainly, if they do know what they believe, they don't know why they believe it. Every year that I pastored, I taught a course sometime during the year entitled, What We Believe and Why We Believe It. I taught our people that God gave us His Word Not so that we could put it in the back window of the car. Yes, sir. I'll just stay there a minute. Uh Or on the floorboard for the kids to step on.
1: Yeah.
0: Or in some little nook in our house. But so that we could read the Word of God. Amen. We could read the Word of God and know what God wanted us to know. I'm so thankful I I believe in God this morning. I know there's a lot of so-called unbelievers, agnostics, atheists out there. How can you believe in God? Well, how can you not believe in God? Look around, friend. Look at what God gave us. Look at the intelligence with which He designed this world. And you can't tell me that God just said, All right, guys, I'm going to fling you down there, and I hope you make it somehow. He didn't do that. He gave us a manual, a road map. It's called the Word of God. You know what he said to Israel? He said, I've given you my commandments. I've given you my judgments. I've given you my statutes. I've given you everything you need. And he said, you need to get them in your heart. And then when you get them in your heart, you better teach them in every posture of daily activity. You need to get them into the heart of your young people so that when you go into the land, you'll be able to possess the land. Let me tell you what's happened in America. I'm not mad. I really am not.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm not mad. I'm just saying to you today, we have not passed down the truths of the Bible. Our children don't know what they believe and they don't know why they believe it. I've been doing some studies and here's what I found out a recent poll shows that only 3% of young people that are in evangelical slash fundamental Bible oriented type churches only 3% of our young people admit to reading the Bible every day someone said isn't that a shame and I said well here's the worst shame is that mom and dad hasn't taught them to read it And I think that if 3% only are reading it, it might be that only 3% of moms and dads are reading it. Mm -hmm. Because kids learn to read it by watching mom and dad do it. Amen. Somebody help me this morning. Therefore, when I was a kid, 90 some percent believed in a literal Christ. Mm -hmm. A literal heaven. A literal hell. And you go study it for yourself and you'll find out those numbers are about in half today. We haven't passed down the Word of God to the next generation. You know what it's done to our churches? Here's what it's done. Something happens in the church. For instance, let's just say that someone in the church is stricken with serious family feuds and ends up in a divorce. People in the church begin to pick sides. And you know what I hear all over the country? Well, uh, we're getting ready to get a divorce. My best friend said, well, since when does your best friend act as the counselor for God?
1: Right, right.
0: Now, some of you are looking at me like the cows I raise that look at me on the farm. I'm asking, do we get our theology from our best friends? Or, or I hear this. No, I'm telling you what Christians say to me. So so, so I go out and say, well, I'll just tell you, Brother Turner, you, uh, just to be honest with you, I just read this book and it said, since when does an author of a book have the right to tell you what God's Word is? Yeah. I was in a church. Oh, this had to be maybe six, seven years ago. I don't know. I lose time, I'm I'm out there so much, I don't even know sometimes where to live. No, seriously, the other day, I stopped to get gas. I said to Reva, where's the gas thing on our car? That's how bad it is. So I'm in this church, and this kind of indignant young man walks up to me, and he says, our pastor is getting ready to have church discipline on somebody. And he said, I don't think it's right. What do you think? Well, I usually, by the time I start a revival, I have time to say to the people, listen, I'm not here to counsel anybody. That's your counselor right there. But I didn't get time to do that, and since he just kind of blurted it out all over me, I thought I'd better answer this. And I said to him, well, I'll tell you what I think. I think you don't know the Bible. Mm. He didn't like that too well. (laughs) But I said, if you knew the Bible, you'd understand 1 Corinthians 5 not only lays out that the church has to purge out sin, but it actually gives the list of sins that require one to be purged. I mean, it's clear. It's clear as the word on the end of some of your noses. Amen. You don't have a word. Well, I do right there. You can look at churches. Get what I'm saying this morning. You know why we have problems in our churches? divisions, attitudes, people that team up and develop little groups I'm for, I'm against, is because we simply don't understand the Word of God. Oh, how we need to learn the Word of God. Joshua said it like this, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, But thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, for then, thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Hide the word of God in your heart, he said. The psalmist said, so that you won't sin against God. Amen? So that there'll be a pure heart uh, as you approach God. Oh, my friends, I'm going to tell you. There's one more reason. Why we need to know the Word of God. Because the Bible says in the book of Amos, two people can't stand together except they be agreed on the terms of the Word of God. Amen? You know what I'm seeing all across the country? Churches that are in great division. We're losing members left and right. I've been having a church in Indiana write me for five, six years now. Down to three people and a building saying, please help us get a pastor. I'm glad to tell you they finally got a pastor this last week after years of trying. I I, I walked into a church about three years ago and the preacher said, brother, uh, I hate to tell you this, but we had a split last Sunday. I almost canceled this meeting. I'm thinking, well, really, this is good. I get to come in for a split. It turned out to be good because the folks left needed help. And God encouraged their heart and they've gone on now. And they've grown, and they're in a new building, and God's blessing them. But, oh, I want to tell you, so much of what happens in our churches could be solved in a moment if we just seek what God has to say about it. Someone help me here. Instead of just figuring it out, because my friend said, or I'm on this person's side, or, well, if you ask me, will nobody ask you? God didn't ask you. He has already determined What's in the manual, amen? amen. I give you this illustration and we'll close. Seven years ago, after all the medical issues, I just had a second heart attack and lost two feet of colon and and my back was really bothering me and I had a second surgery on my back and they burned my spinal cord and left my legs numb and 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 I was just beat up and I was trying to be up at four or five o'clock every morning and first one at the hospital to visit my folks and and then you know teach all day in the college and then I was usually out two three nights a week uh uh, you know preaching the gospel and then I'd fly back in for Wednesday night services and and then sometimes fly out for a Friday thing and come back and visit all day Saturday to catch up with my people and and I was I was just absolutely beat up and when i decided that uh it was time for me to to just step aside i really had one prayer and that, that that was that god would bring somebody to follow that would hold to the truths of this book that they'd believe right and that they they would do right so we moved to indiana and i wasn't there but maybe i don't know a week or so Maybe maybe a little bit longer. And I met one of my neighbors. He was a state trooper. And he pulled me over. <laughs> I wasn't going real fast. I'm going three or four miles over in a 55-mile zone. I actually thought was 65. But anyhow, he pulled me over and he said, So, what's your hurry? And I said, Well, I didn't realize I was in a hurry. I thought I had the speed limit he said no it's at 55 here and I said I got you okay I said whatever you need to do no problem with me if I was over I was over and he said to me well I'm going to give you a warning and he said can I have your license and I gave you my license and he looked at it so anyhow it ended like this he said take care of yourself and by the way he said I noticed you have a Florida license he said you know you got 30 days to get over and get your new license I said yes sir And I didn't want to meet him again and not have it. So I I went over to get it. So I took my license out. I walked up to the clerk and I said, I want to get my Indiana license. And she said, you can't do that. you got to take the test here. I said, man, I've been driving for 50 some years. When I went from here to Florida, they just took my license, gave me another license. She said, I don't care what they did. If you're going to get a license here, you are going to take the test. I said, okay, where do I take this? I'm thinking stupid test, but I didn't say that to her. No, where do I take this test? She said over there. Any one of those computers. Just sit down. I walk over, just so full of pride. I'm going to conquer the world. I go over there and I sit down and I start going through that. That t- I'm answering the questions and about halfway through, a red flag comes up and it says you have failed. And I was really upset.
1: <laughs> I mean,
0: I was really upset. I went over her, I said that and I, this time I did use the word I said that stupid machine stopped halfway through it, didn't even get to finish the test she said because you missed so many questions that if you had finished the test you still would not have passed it sir ouch so there's always someone to help you my wife's with me You know where this is going, don't you? She said, you could have just waited until tomorrow and read the manual. Why do women want to always be such a blessing? Okay, I can't tell you what I wanted to say. We just celebrated 50 years, and I'm trying to be real good right now. So, I said, it's okay, I'll do it tomorrow again, I'll be back. I sat right down there and I knew what I had missed and I was sure I knew what I had missed even though I hadn't taken half the test. You getting this? And about halfway through guess what? That little old red flag came up. Oh I was so upset. Now my wife's with me but my son-in-law was with me because he needed to go somewhere and he said you shut her down what man he said and just read the manual? Oh. I wanted to slap her for telling me. I wanted to slap him for telling me. But instead I I said, hey guys, it's all right. I got it. I got this. I got this. You guys just go on to the car. They went to the car. I went over. I grabbed me a manual. I slipped it inside my winter coat.
1: I zipped it up. I got
0: home. I got into... Our bedroom, I pulled out the manual. I locked the door first. I pulled out the manual. I read that manual. I'm a quick reader. And man, I figured it out. I knew then for sure what I had missed. I was ready. I never did tell my wife I read the manual. I didn't let my son-in-law see me. And I kept the door locked. Amen? Uh, I go back the next day. I get about halfway through. The flag comes up. Wait, wait. wait. This time it's green. You have passed. I've got enough yes answers that I passed. I thought, that'll settle it. I'll not hear another word. And my wife, she knows me very well. She said, you should have just read it the first time. (laughs) I don't want to mock any Christians today that's having a hard time. I just want to very politely say, it's just better... To read it the first time and know how to live. Amen. Because it's God's roadmap. He's got a manual. It works. Let God have his way in your heart. If you try to run your own life, you're going to run it right into a wall. God's ways work. Amen. You want to bless your church? Pray. Yeah, just pray. Talk to God. Yeah, you, 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 you want to bless your church? You need to have a spirit of being in the house of God every time the doors are open. If you want to bless your church, know what you believe and why you believe it. It'll strengthen the body and it'll make you one.
1: One. For how shall two stand together except they be? State with me. Agreed.